It's time for Local Motion on KVNF Mountain Grown Community Radio. I am Taya J. According to statistics from Feeding America, in the state of Colorado, 533,650 people are facing hunger. And of them, 129,900 are children. This means that 1 in 11 people and 1 in 10 children face hunger in our state each day. Meanwhile, ReFed, the national nonprofit working to cut food loss and waste, estimates that 30 to 40% of the food we produce as a nation goes uneaten each year. Today you'll hear from two nonprofit organizations, Uproot Colorado and The Shepherd's Hand, who are working to increase the nutrition security of Coloradans in our communities. Those interviews up next, stay tuned. I'm joined today by Rita Mary Hennigan and Abby Anderson from Uproot Colorado here to talk to me about their organization. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much, Taya. Yeah, pleasure to have you. Why don't we start out by talking about what it is that Uproot does? So Uproot Colorado is a nonprofit organization, and we're pretty young as far as nonprofits go. We were founded in 2017, and our co-founders were involved in an event, a food waste awareness event called Feeding the 5000 that was put on uh, in Denver, and it's been put on in cities throughout the U.S. and I believe in the U.K. as well. And the idea is that a meal is prepared from food that otherwise would not have been harvested or eaten, um, food that might have gone to waste otherwise. And that meal is prepared and served to the public at no cost. And information is shared about just how much food we waste in the United States, which ReFed estimates that between 30 and 40 percent of the food that we produce as a nation goes uneaten every year. Um, and so the idea behind this event is to, to raise awareness about that fact and to uh, encourage folks to consider, you know, the role that we each play in our food system. And so, as I mentioned, Uproot's co-founders were involved in that event, organizing volunteers and also sourcing produce. And so they organized a couple of gleaning events on farms on the front range. And I'll define gleaning for folks who haven't heard of it before. Gleaning is the act of harvesting and redistributing surplus food that otherwise would not be harvested and distributing that to folks experiencing food insecurity or people who need access to more nutritious food. So they harvested food that was sitting in the field that was going to be tilled back into the earth. And they noticed that, you know, after a few hours, volunteers were able to harvest around 1,500 pounds of food, but there was a significant amount that remained. Mm. So that kind of got the... The wheels spinning um, because the Feeding the 5,000 event is just a one-day event, but this group of folks started to feel some momentum and wondered, you know, what else can we do here in the state of Colorado? What needs doing in order to continue to tackle this issue of food waste in our state? And so Uproot was formed after that first kind of fall and winter of researching and, and learning that there wasn't an organization addressing agricultural surplus throughout the state of Colorado. Um, to, to kind of address three issues simultaneously. So one is the fact that agricultural surplus exists due to systemic issues and factors outside of farmers' control. Sometimes there are surplus crops that they aren't able to harvest or sell for a variety of reasons. The other issue is that we know that there are a lot of people here in our state who don't have sufficient access to nutritious food. According to Hunger Free Colorado, one in three Coloradans experienced food insecurity in 2021 that number is exacerbated as a result of the pandemic. And there are some different estimates, you know, right now, but that number is from 2021. And then thirdly, we know that societally, so many of us have become 
less and less connected with how our food is produced. And so Uproot was founded in an attempt to kind of simultaneously address all of these issues to get surplus nutritious food to folks who need it, while also creating opportunities for people to, to connect with their food system. Excellent. And then Abby, talk to me a little bit about the work that you do for Uproot. Yeah, so I am the Gleaning and Food Systems Coordinator for Delta County. So that includes all of Delta County, though I am based uh, here in Paonia. And most of our gleans have happened mostly around Paonia and Hotchkiss, where all of our beloved farms exist. Um, and we've been lucky enough to Im- be able to immediately connect the farms who, who not only had surplus, but were excited about having an organization that could come in and do that little mi- missing piece of the puzzle Farmers, of course, are so busy with with all of their own tasks. They're moving on to the next crop. They certainly don't have time nor resources to get to that food. So my role here in the North Fork is to connect with those farmers, find out when they would like to organize folks to come out. We connect with volunteers, get a group going, and then we head out to the farm. And our goal as an organization is to take the burden off of the farmers we work with so they don't have to deal with all of that. I want to call out the the fact that many folks in this valley have already been doing some amazing gleaning efforts before Uproot arrived here. And we had the luxury of sort of getting a chance to learn a little bit about how that works here from folks like um, Colorado Farm and Food Alliance, Elizabeth, and get kind of a heads up on how to go about this process. Because it turns out there's some challenges in Delta County about distribution. And we have so much food because of this valley's history with fruit growing and farming, but the population doesn't often match the amount that we're able to glean, which is incredible news. It just means that we have more challenges in getting food a little further afield and kind of out um, to other parts of Colorado that don't have as much growing capacity as we do. So it's been a fun challenge to, to, to kind of find out what this valley needs, what works for it, and um, what works beyond the North work as well. The surplus of the surplus, in yeah, other exactly. words. <laughs> what have been, um, if you don't mind my asking or if you have an answer to it, what have been some of the sort of creative solutions to figuring out how to make sure that that doesn't go to waste, that it gets to communities outside of the Delta County area? Great question. We are, well, we have just started a, a more in-depth collaboration with the Food Bank of the Rockies. So they have giant semi-trucks that can kind of travel, already have routes around the state distributing food. They don't have a lot of access to fresh locally grown produce. And when we do have opportunities to glean or redistribute harvested food that exceeds thousands of pounds. So for instance, we just had 10,000 pounds of apples donated to us generously from Excelsior Orchards here in town. And we don't necessarily have the infrastructure to take that food where it needs to go, but the truck can come. In that case, it's a it's a whole process of having them deliver crates that we can then fill with the food and then they come back and pick it up. But that food now can get to the entire state of Colorado, which is really helpful. And then we also, of course, love to keep as much as we can in the valley and make sure our residents here are being taken care of as, as best we can. So it's kind of it's like matching the glean with the right type of transportation and situation to get that food out to as many people as it can reach. I'm curious if you'll speak to um, in this valley without you know being too specific, who are the folks that you are helping? Who are the folks that are benefiting from this program? That's a great question, too. We're ever expanding our hunger relief partners. Um, so far, we've worked with a number. I think we had about 14 partners last year, and that included pantries. So the Somerset Pantry, Cedar Edge, 
as well as out toward Montrose Sharing Ministries. And then we also work with the Peña Senior Center. That's always a joy for our volunteers who do some deliveries as well, because that's you kind of get a chance to chat with the folks who are there receiving the food. And we feel really great about being able to contribute you know, these donations to various parts of the population of Peonia. So, but we're always looking for more ways that that food can get reach more people. So uh, certainly open to learning about more avenues for distribution. Excellent. So it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're dealing with sort of two issues. We're dealing with surplus of food and we're dealing with lack of access to nutritious food, as you say. Yep. And then the third that I would add in there is our kind of societal disconnect. And, you know, I think this likely rings less true in the North Fork Valley, where so many people are so deeply connected to the sources of their food and passionate about food production and organic food production. But generally, as a society, we've all moved further away from how and where our food is produced as our population has urbanized and as agricultural consolidation and industrialization has happened. That's kind of intentionally made us further and further away from how our food is produced. And so kind of the third issue that I would point our attention to is not being deeply connected to the sources of our food and the environmental and social implications of our food systems. Mm. Will you elaborate a little more on what those implications are, Rita? Sure. Yeah. So one that we spend a lot of time thinking about and talking about at Uproot is food waste. Between 30 and 40 percent of the food that we produce in the U.S. ends up not being eaten. Um, So there are environmental implications of that. There are many resources that go into producing that food, into cooling that food, transporting that food, processing that food. And when it ends up not being eaten, all of those resources are used in vain. And so that's detrimental for the environment. Also, when we waste food individually and kind of scrape our plates or forget about some food in our fridge and end up throwing it away, when food ends up in a landfill, that's also environmentally harmful because when food decomposes in that environment without access to oxygen, that creates methane, which is a climate change driving greenhouse gas that's significantly more potent than carbon dioxide as an atmospheric warming agent. And when I'm talking about the issue of food waste and surplus, there are a couple of distinctions I like to make. When we use the word waste, I'm talking about food that is wasted by individuals, so kind of thrown into trash, or maybe it's going to compost sometimes, but it's kind of post-consumer level. We don't refer to food on farms as waste in any circumstance because, you know, it's not. You know, if food is staying in the field, it's adding nutrients back to the soil and it's serving other purposes. It might be feeding animals on a farm. It's more of a closed loop system. But when there are surplus crops on farms, that's exactly how we refer to them. So surplus. Something else I like to point out when talking about the issue of food waste versus surplus is that the majority of food that's being wasted or that is going uneaten in the United States is happening at parts of the food chain where we as individuals and consumers interact with the food system. So I believe the statistic is 17 million tons of food is left unharvested on U.S. farm fields each year, but the amount that we as individuals waste in our households is 34 million tons. So the largest portion of food that's going on in the United States is a result of individuals and choices that that we make as individuals. And so I think that that's one of the implications that I'm referring to when I say that we've become disconnected from the sources of our food is we're not actively thinking about all the resources and work and care that go into our food production. And so it's easy for many of us to 
just throw that food away and not think about all that's gone into its production or the environmental implications downstream when food ends up in a landfill, for example. So that's that's kind of a big one that we like to draw attention to at Uproot is that each of us has agency and power as an actor in the food system and, and our choices really do matter. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about ways that people can get involved with Uproot if they're interested in volunteering or participating in your events or your gleaning. Tell me more about how folks can go about doing that. So I would encourage folks to start by visiting our website, which is uprootcolorado.org. There's a tab on there called Volunteer under the Get Involved section. Once you go to that page, you can share your contact information with us and Once you do that, we'll add you to our email list and send you emails that are relevant to your region um, because we do currently glean in parts of 12 counties across the state that include um, regions along the Front Range and out here on the Western Slope. So we'll kind of get you into the right category based on the town that you share with us, where you live, and then you will start receiving updates from us. So those become more frequent during the summer and fall months when we've got more gleaning events going on, although... Abby has been doing an excellent job of organizing some early season events as well. So we send out an announcement when we have an event coming up, and then folks can choose to sign up for events based on their availability. Excellent. Great. And do we have any local events coming up? Our our broadcast area is really the entire Western Slope, 10,000 square miles of the Western Slope, but anything in the Delta County or Montrose areas that are on the horizon? Well, in terms of growing, we, we usually say, or at least what we learned last year is June is kind of the time cherries come on. So you might find an announcement for those coming up. One thing that we are experimenting with is putting on some educational events with farms that are not gleans, but are a way to connect volunteers and community members with uh, what farmers are doing in the off season and the on season. So we we are in the process of planning some of those right now. So stay tuned for those if you Um, sign up on our volunteer list. Just wanted to make an addendum that clicking the volunteer link and sharing your information doesn't necessarily obligate you to be a volunteer, but it does give you access to learning when the events happen, just so that you know that when they're happening, you can then choose whether or not it makes sense to participate. Wonderful. Anything you feel like we missed, ladies, or anything you'd like to share in closing today? I would love to encourage folks if they feel inspired to learn more about our work to, you know, visit our website, poke around and or reach out to us to learn more. We'd be happy to talk with folks. We are, as I mentioned, a young organization and growing and we're really interested to grow our capacity in this region out on the Western Slope this year because 2022 was our first full season of gleaning here in the North Fork and Abby facilitated the harvest and redistribution of more than 18,000 pounds of surplus nutritious food. And we're just starting really in this region um, to develop relationships and with more capacity, I think that there's a lot more food that we could harvest and redistribute and more folks that we could engage. And so if folks are interested in supporting our organization's growth, we would really appreciate it. And if folks have have any questions, I'm also available for, for further conversation. Thank you both so much. Really appreciate you making time. Thanks, Taya. Thank you so much, Taya. It's great to be here with you. Hi, I'm Cassie Canoose, and you're listening to Local Motion on KVNF. You just heard an interview between KVNF's Taya J and Rita Mary Hennigan and Abby Anderson from Uproot, Colorado, a young nonprofit dedicated to reducing food waste while feeding the hungry. Up next, you'll hear from Gary Martinez. 
president of The Shepherd's Hand, a nonprofit dedicated to serving the underserved and the houseless. For local motion programming, you can visit our website, kvnf.org. Let's dive back in. The story of Shepherd's Hand goes back 20 years. I was a deacon at uh, the church that I was attending, and one of my responsibilities was providing financial assistance and uh, taking care of the food closet. And it didn't take me very long after I started doing that to realize that there was really a lot more need in this community than that church or all the churches combined uh, were providing. And much of it uh, was just little small band-aids over big gushing wounds. Uh, we would get people that were homeless that had uh, major issues as far as not only where to live and what to eat, but other issues in their, in their life that they needed to address. And then just a lot of low-income individuals that were fairly struggling to uh, keep food on the table. They had a place to stay uh, for the most part, not necessarily a house, but at least an apartment. And they were just really struggling. Uh, if they hiccuped uh, twice in a row, they couldn't make their rent, that kind of thing. And so it was really uh, an idea to start a place that we could provide more support for those in need, the underserved in our community, whether they were homeless or just low income. And so that uh, prompted me to talk to the church to see about what would it take to start a homeless shelter? No, 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 we don't want to do that. Uh, that'll bring people in from Durango and Denver and Grand Junction. Uh, no, no, we don't have a, a homeless program here, so we don't want to do that. I talked to other churches, got the same response. I talked to the city, got even worse response. No, we definitely don't want to do that uh, for the same reason. Talked to the county, same thing. And so there was absolutely no support uh, to provide that kind of support for the community that needed it. So what I did was literally, with the pots and pans out of my kitchen and the dollars and cents in my pocket, we started uh, Christ Kitchen. And uh, we started feeding people because that was the first responder emergency need that they had. You can't help people if they're hungry. And Shepherd's Hand President Gary Martinez, along with a slew of volunteers, has been helping thousands who are hungry. Since the nonprofit opened its new doors on 2nd Street in Montrose last year, over 104,000 meals have been served to the community. Those meals consist of hot meals from the volunteer-run center itself, as well as Region 10 senior meals, meals served at Martinez's sister and housing nonprofit, Lighthouse, and meals distributed through other nonprofits. If Martinez had to put a price tag on each meal, they would be worth around $6 a serving. And today, they're serving Mexican casserole. It's a full-course meal. We have uh, dessert, we've got vegetables, we've got salad, we've got soup, uh, all your drinks, everything for free. Uh, and it's not a buffet, it's uh, served uh, restaurant style. There's a common misconception when people think of the name Shepherd's Hand. And Martina says... Most people typically think of a soup kitchen. Well, we're not a soup kitchen, we're a food kitchen. Uh, in a soup kitchen, you would grab your tray and you would go down this line, uh, like a buffet line. Here, they don't do that. They come in, they sit down, we have one of our volunteers go up to them just like in a restaurant and take their order for what they would like to, uh, for lunch or for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And then we take that back to our serving area, we put that on a plate or a tray, and we bring that back to them. So it's just like a restaurant. So we give them a little more dignity, I think, uh, in what they're receiving. It's like, not like they're getting a handout that, you know, here, take it and move mm -hmm. on. It's not just meals being served here. Housing has been a major component of their work since the early days. 
Since the beginning, Shepherd's Hand dedicates itself to providing for the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of the homeless and underserved around the Montrose community. They provide individuals and families with housing, food, clothing, counseling, as well as daytime and nighttime shelter and assistance in transitioning to employment and or life without shelter. When was the last time you got a room for $15 per night? And many in the area still live out the consequences of the pandemic. Last year proved just as challenging, Martina said. Over 300 community members lost their jobs following the closure of Russell Stover's in 2019. And many continue to feel the impacts of that loss. Inflation spiked gas and food prices, and living expenses ticked upward. Likewise, the nonprofit's demand also spiked. That kind of branched out to uh, helping them with housing. Well, we didn't have any money to help them with housing, but what we did was we advertised for tents and sleeping bags, and so at least we could give them a shelter. And we didn't have a lot of resources at the beginning because nobody knew me. Why should they even give me $25? What are you going to do with it? Martinez has a vision. Feeding, sheltering, and caring for the communities underserved seven days a week. But without any community presence or community recognition of what they were doing, funding was literally out of the nonprofit's own pockets. Eventually, Shepherd's Hand Incorporated informed a board of directors, and that was progress, but funders were limited. For example, the board of directors at Christ Kitchen could only offer lunch to the community five days a week. And I said, no. The original vision was breakfast, lunch, and dinner, seven days a week. We were going to provide housing, we were going to provide counseling, we were going to provide financial services, wall lockers, and that particular organization wasn't ready to go there. So I backed out of that, and then we started a couple of other local uh, organizations that uh, were going to be providing meals on the weekends. Even though breakfast, lunch, and dinner wasn't being provided, lunch, all you could eat, was still enough to keep people going, but they weren't getting anything on Saturday and Sunday, so we started another organization called Weekend Blessings. Weekend Blessings lasted around two years before Martinez approached MADA, or the Mexican-American Development Association located in Montrose. Teamed up with MADA, Martinez and his fellow volunteers finally fleshed out the original vision. In the MADA building, they installed a certified kitchen, showers, and wall lockers for those who needed a place to store their belongings, or an address to use for documentation. They provided laundry services. These services were provided on a first responder basis. We were taking care of the immediate needs of the homeless and many of those uh, in the community that were just plain low income and needed to have a little bit more to augment what they were uh, receiving. And then uh, the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, all your businesses cut back on their hours if they didn't close down. Your churches is all closed down. They weren't having even Sunday services. Everything just kind of retracted. The city government, the county government, everybody closed back. So everybody else was cutting back on what they were doing. And Shepherd's Hand business quadrupled because now people didn't have any food. They had a lot more needs than they had prior to the pandemic. And so we started providing the services from different locations. We weren't able to provide them out of the MADA. So I, I had one church where we were distributing food. We had another church that we were cooking and, and uh, providing hot meals, but even they closed down. And so when they did that, we went out and uh, found ourselves a food trailer. And we were providing food to the homeless primarily at that time, uh, hot dogs and hamburgers and burritos, uh, fast food type things. And so at least they had something to eat. And then about uh, three years ago, we found this building. They were able to purchase the building last year, 
but losing many volunteers due to the pandemic has impacted the services that they can provide. Many of our volunteers didn't come back. So right now we have a little over 100 volunteers and the best we're able to do for providing hot meals is breakfast, lunch for five days a week. I'm not able to do dinners and I'm not able to do Saturday and Sunday. So what we do for the homeless for Saturday and Sunday, we put together what I call non-cooked food banks. And it's got breakfast, lunch and dinner for three days for one person and everything can be eaten cold. And so they have food. So we are making food available seven days a week. But the purchase of the building has allowed them to partner with other organizations to expand in other areas. But the advantage for us being in this building here is that uh, now we're able to go up another echelon of support for the community. Before, we weren't able to do any counseling. Well, now because we own the building, we put in five counseling offices. So now we have different organizations in the community like, well, Center for Mental Health, now Access, uh, integrated therapy services. We have Front Range Clinic that deals with alcohol and drug addiction. We have uh, Hilltop. We have these organizations that come here and utilize these uh, spaces uh, as needed. And we had one peer recovery group. Uh, the lady said, Gary, this is great. Because now she says, well, previously, I would have, make an appointment for nine o'clock with one of my clients. My clients, your clients, they're one and the same. And wouldn't show up. And, you know, why didn't they show up? They didn't want to go, they were, they were drunk, they, were, uh, they forgot about it, whatever the reason, they didn't show up. But now she set the appointment up here at 9 o'clock and guess where they're having breakfast. So it's been a really big win-win for our clients here and the clients that they're trying to support through other uh, nonprofit organizations here in town. We started doing it because a lot of people were falling through the cracks. If they made too much money, they didn't qualify for these other food areas. If they weren't residents of Montrose County, they didn't qualify for a regular food. They were only able to get food uh, once a month, and their need was more than just uh, food once a month. So we went ahead and started our food bank here. And uh, now when somebody comes in, the criteria I have for distributing food is I'm hungry. So if an undocumented migrant comes in for food, they're able to get food. Many don't have an ID, and many don't even speak English. They just know that they need food. Martinez mentioned the nonprofit's expanded services. While nutrition and housing are top priorities for Shepherd's Hand, the nonprofit doesn't neglect other necessities, such as mental health and medical services. Mental health services are available in-house at Shepherd's Hand, and EMTs visit the nonprofit twice a week to administer services to clients. Martinez says this service offers a more affordable and convenient alternative to a visit to the emergency room. It's one where everyone can win. Well, it saves the hospital the cost of an emergency room uh, visit. Last I heard a few years back, an average cost of somebody going to the emergency room is $1,800. So somebody's got a cold and they go down the emergency room, the average cost is $1,800. Some of our uh, clients would go down there two or three times a month. And all that to say? Well, a lot of people think of Shepherd's Hand and they think of the hot meals that we have here, and that's the extent of it. Well, that's the tip of the iceberg. Shepherd's Hand is located at 505 South 2nd Street in Montrose. You can donate online or call the nonprofit at 970-275-7215 for questions or information. You just heard from Gary Martinez, president of the Shepherd's Hand. Earlier in this segment, KVNF's Taya J interviewed Rita Mary Hennigan and Abby Anderson from Uproot, Colorado. Thank you for joining us on Local Motion today as we explored different ways our region is addressing food insecurity in our communities. You are listening to KVNF, your mountain-grown community radio. For Local Motion programming, you can visit our website, kvnf.org.
for KVNF, I'm Cassie Knust.